that's Toya. And, and this, this is Tech Beats and Bites. How are you doing today, Toya? How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. It is Wednesday. It looks it's cloudy outside. I was about to say you about to shout out. Shout out the weather. It ain't quite doing right today, y'all. My bad. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> so got a lot of stuff going on i know a lot of people are looking forward to us talking about the nipsey hustle uh yeah. situation um yep i think if anything maybe we should save that for the, the second half of the show what you think yeah you know we want to go through some headlines real quick and then we'll kind of get into it because that's a whole conversation that deserves his attention. Yeah, I think that should just go ahead and be the last part of the yeah. show. Yeah, see, I gotta stick around. So y'all gonna have to stay tuned. Stay tuned. All right, so let's dive right in. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I'm gonna go back to my hometown real quick. Panama City Beach is flying high. Uh, company in Panama City Beach was a finalist for the one million dollar Boeing. So Boeing <laughs> crashing planes ain't giving out money for flying. <laughs> so <laughs> Boeing wants to help humans fly. That's kind of ironic. Um, humans they fly but okay we getting wings yeah so <laughs> okay i'm here for it this is what's going on um they're doing like the self-flying thing they're trying to get to the jetsons point of life mm. um so airboard is looking into the future of transportation and they've been developing in a startup incubator there called tech farms in panama city beach for the last three years and northwest florida is becoming an aerospace capital so they pretty much have a human drone that you can fly on Look at that. But I think it only lasts for like three minutes before oh. the battery dies. Womp, womp. <laughs> Up and down. Congratulations to my hometown for being one of the finalists. I hope you guys win, and I hope that becomes, that'd be pretty awesome to come home and fly over the beach on right. a drone. That's so. right. Y'all better do it. Hang gliding with technology. But Boeing, kind of bad timing for you guys. Um, Oscar versus streaming platform. So we know earlier this year, the filmmakers and studios were seeking rule changes uh, to make it difficult for streaming services to qualify for Oscars. And this has emerged as a big thing. Um, Steven Spielberg is a part of the push and also proposing that streaming services should only be eligible for Emmys if they secure wide theatrical releases that don't coincide with simultaneous releases on streaming platforms. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a little old man hate. Um, Steven Spielberg stated, I don't believe films that are just given token qualifications in a couple of theaters for less than a week should qualify for the Academy Award nominations. So you're basing the decision on it being award worthy based on the platform that it's shown on. So in other words, he's highlighting the fact that due to some companies going through discrimination and not getting put on national platforms because they don't have the name or they don't have the finances behind them. Right. That even though they're dope. Right. Even though they're amazing. Right. Like us, we're dope and we're amazing, but we're not on a major platform. We on Facebook, y'all. Woo woo. And many, many more. We can't be considered for an Oscar is what he's saying. Right. So I think that that's, that's completely, <laughs> that's like redlining again, right? Uh-uh, y'all not cool enough to play with us. You don't get an Oscar. You can get something else, but y'all don't y'all don't get to play with us. Sorry. That's we what don't control saying. the theaters. And I'm not even saying we that's as a saying. race. I'm just saying in general. Yeah. Small companies, we don't control the theaters. Everybody doesn't have $30 million. Access to all that capital. Right. You know, and... <laughs> 
It's just, again, big industry trying to stop what's happening on the small side. And independent anything is where the excitement is, right? When you think right. about artists, music artists, film, Ludacris is going back that. independent now. Right. They're trying to stop that momentum because they know that there's power there, that there's momentum there. And they like, you can't play in our sandbox, though. Mm. I think that's shady. Well, our friends at Netflix released a statement in response to Steven Spielberg. Oh, listen. We love cinema. We also love access for people who can't always afford or live in towns without theaters. Let everyone everywhere enjoy release at the same time, giving filmmakers more ways to share art. These things are not mutually exclusive. Exactly. I, I, I don't see anything better than to Listen. say with that. Steven Spielberg is antiquated based on his statement, and he sounds just like the HBO CEO. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Sound like, don't it's be very like, similar. Don't, don't be like Bob and Steve. Right, they in the same boys club. So this is all I'm saying. And I, actually, you can't even say it because of Jordan, because Jordan's going to continue to get the major. Like, who are y'all scared of? Y'all scared of the Smith family that's putting together their film house? Who are y'all scared of that's coming out with dope content? They're scared of everybody because they're talking about streaming platforms. So that's Netflix. That's Because Red Table Conversations Amazon is Prime. killing it. There's a lot of things that's about that. I understand, right. Steven. You're trying to look out for your fellow older white men, and it just seems the best thing to do. Listen, Netflix is killing it with their original content. They come out with a new a new movie almost every day. If, so they're trying to shut that if down. If I can submit my information and I only get it on... HBO, <laughs> not even on Hulu or anything else, and it was a great movie. Cause most of the movies that y'all have made movie of the year, I've never seen them. I don't remember the promotions. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, the last time y'all gave movie of the year to a updated version of Splash, when Tom Hanks was dating the woman that was a mermaid. I mean, y'all been giving movie of the year to trash movies anyway, so. I think it's time for y'all to have a whole new platform of who's judging it. Like, y'all should release the criteria of how these movies are judged. Maybe we should start there. This is a this is a make the Oscars great again moment, right? It <laughs> seems like they're just trying to go back in time. And they're they're going against trend. We need to and keep gonna friends winning. And they're going to lose out. They're going to be like Blockbuster. It's going to be like Oscar who? Right. Because something else is going to take place and they'll just be out. So be I out say there. to Jordan... Johnny Depp, since you're getting your uh, paperwork back in order from your wife falsely accusing you of all those things, and about four other people, Spike Lee, just come up with your own awards. Just get rid of streaming, uh, get rid of the Oscars, make up your own thing. Let's, we will support you. And don't put it on TV. Just stream the whole um, award. I think they should just come out with their whole thing. And That's just, what I was going to say. Netflix just, just create their own indie streaming award show. This would be the one time they should it. let down Netflix, Hulu. Yeah. All those people that are streaming. All just streaming come services. up with your own award 100%. show. 100%. And include movies in it. Bring in the people that are trying to keep you out. Don't let them win, but just bring them in and say they were nominated. Oh, but look, so the DOJ is actually monitoring and sent a letter to the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences warning that any attempts to bar or limit Netflix or and other streaming services from eligibility may violate antitrust laws. Mm. Considering mm. the Academy's membership includes studios and mega conglomerates that compete with Netflix, Amazon, etc. Mm. So, y'all... Mm. They watching y'all. Mm. Them alphabet boys see y'all too. Mm. So I can see the NAACP getting involved in this somehow. Right. Because you're just trying to shut down independent art. That's it's all right. That's Oscars, y'all. It's just dope people out there. We we've been dope, y'all late. 
Um, so Google. Google, which is heavily staffed on temporary vendor and contracts like every other major company that doesn't want to play for benefits and health insurance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just tell it like it really is. A new requirement that is a non-employee workforce in the U.S. receive comprehensive health care coverage, a $15 minimum wage, a minimum of eight paid days of sick leave. Well, this is getting exciting. And 12 weeks of parental leave and offer $5,000 per year in tuition reimbursement. Now, I don't understand this. This is a non-employee workforce. So you're underpaying people. People already have to lower their services because if we get into Google, we get into Amazon and everything else. But now you're forcing third parties to hold a certain standard. Um, the wage requirements will go into effect at the end of the year and the health care requirements will start before 2022. The impact is about half of Google's workforce. Mm -hmm. Why won't Google just pick up the bill? Right. <laughs> so, so to continue the conversation, let's <laughs> add to it, right? So although some are critical of the timeline for the healthcare component, this change is huge because interested to see if other companies follow suit or whether Google will find itself alone in an island of workforce equity. So we're seeing this not only in how um, AOC, and I believe it came out about Elizabeth Warren, who are moving in the way of workforce equity and really trying to push for a higher minimum wage. So it'll be interesting to see if this really takes scene and if you see other, you know, so last week <laughs> we were talking about diversity and what's going on in tech industry and Bruh. how all of that, you know, it just ain't quite right. So, you know, Google sets a lot of precedents, especially in the space. They are huge, they are a major player. I think they, you know, if, if people be like, oh, Google could do it, we could do it too. You know, that's what you would hope to see. I mean, okay. I understand this is a huge change and it's actually beneficial. I have no problem with the benefits. I just don't want anybody that's watching to get confused. I think this is great. But what if the things kind of come true where they do this to Google and the companies they're working with can't keep up with it? Mm -hmm. Like, you're profiting billions of dollars. Are you willing to pick up the tab to make sure this actually happens though? You know, we always talk about in our community, giving back to the hood, mm -hmm. like in their community, giving back to the whole world. I'm just saying like, I see this being a problem. I think it should definitely happen. I hope that this is standard with Google, but fortunately it seems like some of the things that are listed in like other countries, this should just be standard for all employees in general. Right. We're just not there yet. Like so many things. So right. I applaud Google for taking this step. Um, but why don't you just hire these people and make them full-time employees, Google, instead of half of your workforce being vendor-based? Why don't you allow these companies to make larger profit margins by actually being subsidiaries of you so they would also get stock shares and increase the value of their corporations. And then while doing so, you would just pick up the tab of their employees and expand your employee base, include them into your insurance plan, give them all the same benefits. 
you know, and Michael Jackson, the situation, heal the world, make this a better place. <laughs> I don't understand <laughs> why we can't just do all of it. You know, I think that there's still there's still a place for like contract independent contract work, especially for those who don't want to be an employee, and especially when you're talking about short term projects, because a lot of times independent contractors allow companies to flex up when they need to, and then once the project is over, then they no longer have to sort of employ those individuals. So there's still a space for that. So the fact that they're even trying to provide better uh, requirements for them. I think that's pretty dope. All right, so we won't have all our sound effects, so we'll give a round of applause to Google for trying to do something positive in the world. Let's see how what the impact is, what the fallout, what happened. So we, I'm gonna put it in the notes. This is another six month follow up. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Well, actually, we gotta wait till like 2022. <laughs> right. This is longer than that. Well, by 2022, we'll be all. But who knows? In six months, they may be like, "So we said that, but we not really doing that." But that now that we're thinking about it, Google, I believe we just submitted to you all once again for sure podcasts. Did. We covering y'all, Google, we're we sure here, did. pick up. All right, so a mental health app for black youth. First of all, I'm just gonna say it's amazing. I would just end the conversation there. <laughs> just, <laughs> right. It doesn't matter. Period. Just, you're doing it, it's amazing. But mm -hmm. uh, Henry Willis, uh, who is a PhD student at the University of Carolina at Chapel Hill's Clinical Psychological Graduate Program, ooh, say that four times, Mm -mm. is developing a mental health app for black youth. During his research, he discovered that everyday factors of being black, like exposure to racism, can drastically impact one's mental health. Mm -hmm. He's published papers that have dealt with how things are online, what racial discrimination can lead to PTSD symptoms, or how positive racial identity beliefs can lead to better mental health over time for African-American youth. So, I understand he's doing this for you, but uh, Henry, I think you just need to do this for all black people in general. <laughs> this And maybe that's the plan, maybe it's a phase, you know, start with the youth and then roll it out to other parts of the community. Yeah, I mean, I definitely believe with cyberbullying and the other things and, you know, kids not being accepted. It was right. a commercial I saw, it was like a reach out to you kind of thing, and it was talking about the impact you have on people just mm -hmm. by you know saying something nice to them. Yeah. Like how saying something nice to something one day could basically carry them for the next three months of feeling differently about themselves. Right. And um, it just doesn't hurt to be nice. And so we do have youth that have stigmas around mental health and how it's hard to confront. I mean, I'm, I understand it's harder, just for one, if your parents can't afford to take you through those platforms, but when we're often faced with, you know, our anti-blackness situation, like you're being too black. I mean, as a mm -hmm. black business owner, I get that all the time, as if it's wrong for me to defend my race and my culture, as if I don't see the things that we go through. I get that through a company. Your company is too black. You're, why do you have to point out that you're a black-owned company? Most of the time, I, we used to hide that we were black-owned. You know, the yeah. first eight years of being in existence, um, myself and my business partner, we didn't even put our faces on our website. I mean, his his name sounds very black, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, <laughs> my name is Michael Hall. Like right. <laughs> it just worked. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, 
I mean, your name is Dante. Like <laughs> almost Devante. What are you trying to say? You might as well be a part of an R and B group at that point. Um, <laughs> we, the, the extra producer on Jodeci. And, yeah, <laughs> background singer Dante Pendergrass. Um, right. So black youths are. 90% less likely to receive or have access to effective mental health treatments. So when compared to white youth, so I do believe mm -hmm. this is a great thing. The app will provide a variety of services, including education about basic mental health systems. The user can create a profile and a mental health plan. The app will also connect its users to black and other providers of culinary. I think that part is key. Yes. Speaking to yes. someone that looks like you and, and can, can relate. relate to the things that you went through. That was not planned, but we said it at the same time. <laughs> we, some, when it's days like this, uh, this Mercury retrograde is starting to get scared. But days like this, you just... But we in the shadow. Mercury is direct now. Uh, your, your local astrologer, I said that. Not really. Not really. Don't come to me for that. You know what? Anyway, but no, what I was going to say about this is I think that that's really cool. The only thing, too, and I, what you were kind of hinting at when you started is that while we're targeting the youth, kids are still under the sort of, um, ex you know, the care of their parents. So if their parents are still dealing with issues, that then trickles down to the kids' experience. Yeah. So there needs to be a holistic sort of treatment because a lot of what happens happens in the home. Right. And if they're getting positive reinforcement through the app or whatever care that they're giving from a mental health professional, the parents need it too because there needs to be reinforcement and everybody has to sort of be on the same page because the work could easily be undone when the kid goes home. Well, the uh, app is supposed to come out summer 2019 and it's supposed to be available on iPhone. So yeah. for the Droid users out there, you're gonna have to suffer a little bit longer. Just right. a shout out to my boy David <laughs> and these people that, that wanna stick with these Android devices, Google. We're covering y'all still. Um, so I want to talk about we're going into the beat section. Yeah, I, I was I was waiting for this. So it's between Jordan Peele. Mm -hmm. You know, we got to get the liquor for this part. Uh, so to our sponsors, ooh, take me some bites. Uh, timeline is cold today. Right. It's chilly and dark. We ain't have a dark one. What, what are we drinking today for the break? Hmm. Oh, this is uh, the staple of... Right, this one of the OGs. This is one of the OGs of Timeline Brewery. This is brown sugar. Brown sugar, cheers, cheers. Cheers. Little clank, clank. I don't know if y'all saw that, but it was a clank. Mm. Yeah, this is one of the throwbacks. It's where mm -hmm. it all started. Brown sugar, babe. <laughs> all uh, right, D'Angelo. <laughs> See? Dev Dante, Dante, Devante, D'Angelo. <laughs> Don't let them do you, Dante. Don't let them do you. So, yeah. So, Jordan Peele. Um, so, hold on. We got an update from our uh, AP. Okay. What are we talking about? First of all, it would be devices with the internet. Second is Apple. So, I made a mistake. <laughs> they had to give you a correction. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be available through the internet first. Then it'll become an app. So, that's cool. But going back to uh, the beats part, let's get into the entertainment part of our section. And then mm -hmm. we definitely we only got about 10 more minutes before we get into the Nipsey. Uh, yes. So Jordan Peele is directing with a purpose. Uh, 
Jordan Peele made a statement where he, in my summary, it was, I have already seen that story. And he was talking about having white males or white leads in his movies. So he well, was- Well, the criticism. The criti- yes. So that's he, been coming out, yeah. He was addressing the fact that he wanted to have more black people in lead roles. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I just, I'm gonna just read the statement just to get this part clear. Um, during an interview, he said, I don't see myself casting a white dude as the lead in my movie. Not that I don't like white dudes, but I've seen that movie. The way I look at it, I get to cast black people in my movies. <clears throat> it's his movie. Um, He's the director. I, I'm, I don't know what you guys are. I mean, I don't remember anybody being mad when there was all white people in like Kings of Egypt. Oh, <laughs> I don't, I don't remember. Gods of Egypt. Gods of Egypt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen a lot of movies whitewashed. Where, Elizabeth Taylor playing Cleopatra. Yeah. Right. Just, but I do remember specifically that y'all were ready to burn things down mm-hmm. when Idris was supposed to be a fictional character. Y'all were mad that a black man was going to play a fictional character that has been predominantly played by a white male. What movie? That would be James Bond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, or even just looking at on the animated side, right? So the, some of the backlash that happened with Spider-Man and it won at the Oscars, right? But there was backlash about that. So it's, it's funny because you kind of see it just it circles around, right? It just kind of throw it out there when they want to and take it back when they want to. And it, when you're talking about creativity, one of the reasons why you have a push to include diversity in the arts is because for a long time it, has, it wasn't there. Same reason why you have HBCUs. You need, we need as a community of people, the same level of access to content, art, music, whatever it is, we need to be there. So if it's not gonna happen organically, then we're gonna create it. And we're get, and it's getting to the point to where we want to create it. We want to be the creators and not just the consumers. That allows us to take ownership of the narrative, stories, yes. I'm just saying white people may have forgot that y'all do blackface. Y'all have painted yourself to be black people in movies. Could have just hired black people to be the black people in the movie instead of paint yourself blackface. That would have defeated the purpose. All right. That you wasn't were, the purpose. You were mocking us exactly. and being insulting. Right. So, but when it comes to positive roles or impactful roles of people of color, just tan them up a little bit, change the color scope in the cameras, make them a little darker and, you know, it works. No, it doesn't. So, <laughs> right. I was gonna say, I don't know. <laughs> Blacks have been marginalized, ignored, overlooked in Hollywood for so long. It's just our turn. Now that they finally started making movies, and I said this, you know, I'm just gonna get to the point because it's about time I beat me on this camera. I've been real tame lately. <laughs> let's just let's tell the y'all. truth why y'all mad. Tyler Perry has my dear. I ain't seen nobody saying where the white people at in Tyler Perry movie. Spike Lee been dope, been doing it. He finally got his uh, Oscar. Yep. Spike Lee been casting black people, people of color in his movie. Yep. I ain't hear y'all saying nothing and complaining. Won't y'all tell the truth? It ain't that y'all mad about the fact that he actually made this statement. Y'all mad 
and I, I, I'll just make this today's ignorance. What y'all are mad about? Y'all mad at is that this boy is dope. Y'all mad that he got a crossover appeal. He's batting a thousand right now. He's on fire. You scared of what he gonna do next? He got Twilight Zone popping. He got people paying attention to CBS that don't even want cable. His movies are two for two. He's killing the game. Y'all not mad that he ain't casting white people. Y'all mad because he's dope and he made that statement. If his movies were trash and he made that statement, guess what? We're not talking about him. It's because he's utterly amazing and he's right. He's not even on the verge. I'm going on record. He's a genius. He's crossed all kind of barriers that you didn't expect. And not only that he's crossing barriers, mm -hmm. he's in a genre where normally black men and people of color don't even participate, which is horror films. And he's killing it with original screenplays. Y'all are scared, and we get it. An intelligent black man that knows how to present himself, that's willing to stand up for his culture and go past cultural appropriation is a scary place to be. It is fearful when a black man intelligently states that he is going to look out for his people. That scares some people. Remember J. Edgar Hoover, one of the things he said? The most fearful thing is a united Negro. Mm. That's when they hired old boy mm -hmm. to take down the Black Panthers. You better tell them. So um, I understand the fear. It is very scary when black people get together. It's even more scary when he making black horror movies and exposing the racism and the hate in this country in the process while making something suspenseful, hoary, and committed all at the same time. Right, because it's been flipped, right? So when you think about it, like some of the old zombie movies was actually playing off of the fear of voodoo, right? So then that's where you kind of got the Hollywood version of what voodoo is, which is a complete false narrative. And as long as we continue to allow Hollywood to dictate our perception of ourselves, of our art, then we will continue to miss out on opportunities. And Jordan Peele is just capitalizing on what he does. And I think to add to what you were saying about why he is a threat and why there is like, a, oh my God, you're not including us, is because P and Kill, they had a large white audience. So it was like, oh, you one of us, you over here with us. Mm -hmm. Oh, maybe not. Especially because he's married to a white woman. That's Y'all thought because he was married to a white woman and he was on Comedy Central, he was just, you know, the black dude at the party. He was shucking and jiving for y'all. <laughs> right. What Jordan did to y'all was what we call a spook by the door. Go read the book by James Baldwin. Listen, <laughs> speaking of spook by the door, because we didn't talk about this in the text, Sammy, but I wanted to bring this up because this is very important and it ties directly into that. So Chameleonaire was on Squawk Box recently. Mm -hmm. And he talks about investing and how he's using his celebrity to learn to bring that information back. Spook who sat by the door. Like, that's how you're supposed to use your influence. You're supposed to capture information in order to empower Take your all community. That intelligence and bring it back. Right. That's what Nipsey was doing, which we're going to get You know what? Let's go ahead and get into it. We only three minutes off, and I have a feeling we're going to run us over. Everybody that's been waiting... Toya will close us out with In These Streets. I'm yes. pretty sure her In These Streets is going to relate, but we're going to go ahead and Absolutely. get into the, the seven laws of Nipsey Hussle. So we've decided what we're not going to do is highlight the monstrous person that killed him. Not at uh, all. Rest in peace to him. Um, 
Much love to Lauren. Yeah, and all our the prayers family. to the family, Absolutely. the kids. Um, that's a big thing. But one of the things we said in our small group call and what our group text was, the only way to highlight a legend is to continue his legacy. And I will admit, I remember getting Victory Lap, listened to it one time. I personally, it's hard for me to digest some West Coast music. Mm. The pronunciation, just the way they rap. It's, but he does have bars. He was a great artist. But more than anything, the biggest thing that me and my business partner and our director back there, we did to celebrate his memory is we went to a CRA meeting. I just want to start off with the <laughs> fact that if you guys want to make a change in your community, go to your city meetings, go to speak to your city council, yep. figure out how you can be involved. Because remember, the thing he was getting prepared to do was to meet with the chief of police to talk about ending gang violence. If you want to make an impact in your community, be involved in the actual structure of the community. So to celebrate his memory, we took our Monday night and we went to a CRA meeting and mm -hmm. we're working on building a co-work space just like he had Vector. But let's get into the seven laws of Nipsey. Um, I'm going to read them off one at a time yeah, and we'll, we'll kind of have we'll a brief discussion. Uh, on Hustlenomics, you learn all the secrets to the game on your way up. Most folks want to skip the process. When you skip steps, you miss the lessons. I, I don't know how to agree with that more. I've seen so many people that don't understand the elements of success and what it takes to get there. Uh, overnight success is normally 10 years worth of work. Say it's, that again. Uh, overnight Rewind. success is normally 10 years worth of work. Yeah. You guys just get to see the end results. I do believe, you know what? I think we should. I'm, I'm saying it on camera because normally when we say stuff on camera, we try to hold ourselves to it. Maybe we should just do something called overnight success where we just bring in successful entrepreneurs that only talk about how long it took and the failures they went through to get there. So people could have a better view. Yeah, because the, the truth will set you free and you, know. you will no longer have a misconception of what this thing is. Nipsey was in the hood shining shoes, y'all. Yeah. Like, the boy was grinding. I'm not saying he lived a perfect life, but no. you have to be around these people. You, you Even in the music industry, in the film industry, we started off with a Canon and a Sony. We didn't even have matching brands, and you could see it. <laughs> you could see it in the color of the Nike camera. Nike and Adidas. <laughs> like, we didn't get here just because it happened. We made mistakes. Mm -hmm. We had things shut down, but we also had enough you know, elements to call people, to talk to people. Right. What are you doing? How are you making this better? And you pick it up and you keep going. And I just think the worst thing is we want to skip steps because we don't have resources and we don't, like, people, you, you're never too old to have a mentor, but you're also never too young to mentor someone else. No. Just share knowledge. You know, just share knowledge. I, I, I don't know any way else to say that. No, absolutely. And the whole point of life itself is that it's a journey right you're not trying to get to the to your death so quickly so why are you trying to go to the point of reaching the success because once you get there then it's like okay well what do i do now oh you gotta start over again you're gonna do something new so the, either way you're always morphing evolving and doing something different and it's the same thing in business like you have to go through the steps it can be painful yeah that thing absolutely. where you'll be tired you not tired up. you'll be tired, tired want to give up <laughs> yeah 
I mean, it's a part of the journey, y'all. And going to even just going with what we was talking about with Jordan, you got to remember the threat of what we're doing in the media industry and the lessons you got to learn are big. You got Ava doing her thing. Shonda's doing her thing. Shonda got a whole night on ABC. Like she just owns that night. Yeah. You know, so look at the lessons, but go read their books. You know, go read Shonda's book of how she felt, how she was socially awkward, the things she go through. Mm-hmm. Don't always talk to entrepreneurs about their success. Talk to them about their failures. Ask mm-hmm. them, what them did you go through? Yeah. What did you do when you wanted to give up? You know, what did you do when you felt like you lost it all? Or better yet, talk to the people that actually lost it all and built it all back up. Those are the stories you want to hear. Because that rebound is everything. Look, man. Everything. And not to mention, and just add on to that too, Nick Cannon. Like, he, he, he has an illness, and he is still out there grinding every day, doing something different. He's on YouTube with his series. He's hosting almost at least two or three shows yeah. on TV, not to mention producing and still doing music. To me, Nick took that Ryan Seacrest model. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that he's trying to be Ryan Seacrest. No, Sometimes you got to watch other people and learn how to model yourself. That's why they have business models. Right. That's why they have algorithms you have to know the model and the structure of what it takes to get to success right and just like what chameleon said nick was at nickelodeon peep that situation all right i'm gonna do it on my own right so you you can't skip everything if if you're not willing to still go out there not pass out your cd but give out your your thumb drive for free hit people up ask people tell people you need help ask people for favors barter off your services if you're not willing to do those things if you're not willing to learn the lessons of what it takes to build an empire don't ask to be the king or the queen yeah because even with pinterest right that app when you hear how pinterest started they literally was going from like coffee shop to coffee shop Mm. asking people hey download this app let us know what you think use it they took a for real street team approach Street team approaches still work, and that is footwork. Right. That's real, real leg work. work. Yeah, that's how we got in the game: passing out flyers, designing flyers, lose some weight, get out there, and <laughs> um, sweat a little. On turn up versus own up, this was a good one. Yeah. It isn't cool to be in the club, spending all of this money or having cars and jewelry, but you don't have any real estate, a fourplex. If the answer is no, you're not a real hustler. Now, some people might get that confused. He's not saying if you don't have real estate, you're not a real hustler. What he's saying is if you've made these other things a priority versus getting assets a priority, that's the flaw. Right. Um, Because cars depreciate as soon as you drive that thing off the lot. Look, I just, a quick story, because we're here now. I mean, my homeboy's killing it. Dante is killing it now because he got the whole three-bedroom place to himself. (laughs) But me and my business partner were roommates for... 13, 12, 12 years, simply because we were working nine to 12 hours a day, doing extra work the other three hours, and the rest of the time we were sleeping. So it was like we had to be around each other. What was the benefit of paying rent, driving to offices versus putting everything in one place? Right. So when you hear stuff about like music industry, think about like the uh, dungeon studios. I was just about to say. You know, they were doing stuff. They were in the same house. Same house, sleeping on (laughs) the floor and everything. And I can't tell you how often we used to get clowned by the young ladies that, oh, y'all still roommates? Why don't y'all just get y'all own place? Because they don't understand the entrepreneurship life. uh, 
Listen. A lot of y'all have moved back in y'all with y'all mama since we left y'all alone. So I would start listing names. <laughs> it's a whole bunch of you. It's a whole bunch of y'all living with y'all mamas right now. Homie owned the place. I know y'all haven't been here in a while. The wood floors look dope. <laughs> uh, the house in Deerfield is off the chain. We've made our moves, but we had to make those sacrifices. Right. And now we're buying stocks. Now we're investing into tax liens. We're doing other things. But there was a lot of times we didn't get to go out to eat or you would catch us at a networking event straight up drinking cranberry juice because we had already <laughs> told each other, bro, we can't be spending $18 on no liquor. Like, yeah. And Gary Vaynerchuk talks about it all the time for those who car um, follow Gary V. He talks about the idea of being as lean as possible with Man, how you look, live and how you spend look. until you get to the point to where you can live like you want to live. Bro, There's sacrifice. That we started pretty fresh. A, a whole thing about fresh fruit that was getting thrown away and stuff because of how cheap we was getting food from the farmer's market across the street. Like almost everything we went through, we saw our struggles as a business opportunity. opportunity and bought it to light. And sometimes you're just ahead of the game, but sometimes it works out. Just that goes to the next point. Yeah. Entrepreneurship. The mindset is we don't want advances. We want equity. We don't want one-off endorsements. We want ownership. Listen, Marshawn Lynch lives by that. Marshawn Lynch. Uh, and I'm, I'm relating some of these topics to things you guys may not know, but I'm kind of keeping around the music industry, but also this applies to innovation and tech, but yeah, uh, Pusha T. A lot of people that may not know, Pusha T wrote, ba -da -ba -ba -ba, I'm loving it. He wrote that jingle for half a million dollars. That is the longest running campaign, period. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Pusha T wrote that. Now, Years later, Pusha T also wrote, we have the meats. Arby's. But he owns 40% of that. He didn't want that upfront check. He had to get equity in it. He wanted publishing rights to Longevity. It. That's how you gotta approach entrepreneurship. A lot of times, you're not gonna get that upfront money. There's a lot of situations where we definitely wanted a check but we made investments. And then I'll tell you, a lot of people come back, Toya. They come back, Toya. <laughs> and they try to cash in on it. And sometimes you have to send them that soft reminder, we're done doing the stuff for free. It's time for you to have return on that value. So yeah. sometimes when you put things up as an entrepreneur, you, if you're not used to taking L's, if you're not used to giving stuff away for free, if you're not used to working at three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, going on a vacation where all you do is sleep because you are exhausted, you're not ready to be an entrepreneur. Sacrifice, that's all I gotta say. And even when you think about just the, the trajectory of certain artists and celebrities, right? And it's easy to sort of dismiss celebrities because you're like, oh, they have access, they have the money and the stuff like that. But the point is that you can model a lot of what they did and apply it to yourself. Ice Cube, another really good example, yes. right? Went from NWA to now producing movies. He's doing a whole lot of stuff. Owns it. David he owns Banner. his own league now. Yeah, Basketball big three. League. I mean, he's doing a lot. So you, the the, and what I loved about Nipsey is that beyond the music, use it as a roadmap for yourself. For other things. Yeah, just apply it to you. Apply it to you. Scale it down. Apply it to your situation. And use it as a jump off point and a point of inspiration. Don't let that thing die. And I mean, the biggest thing is you're creating that vertical, but the fact yeah. is 
you know, like you said, with Ice Cube, Ice Cube just went a whole different way. David Banner was giving his last album away for free for donations only, but that's because he's scoring movies now. He's right. not worried about a hit song that's controlled. He just want to get the message out. By a dominant area. He wants to get a message out and he's making his money. We say it in-house and I'm going to say it on camera because a lot of people to this day still ask me about myself, Dante and Toya. What exactly do y'all do again? <laughs> I get that all the time. <laughs> Even from my sisters. They're like, what? What you? <laughs> Let me just make it real easy for y'all. We do everything we need to do to get paid. Because the less y'all know With integrity. About, Listen, this ain't um, Monique and Steve yeah, Harvey. This ain't, ain't what this is. We, we ain't out there doing nothing. But bottom yeah. line is, the less you know about how I make my money, the less you can hate. Sometimes you got to move in silence. 100%. Everything's um, not public knowledge. At all. Especially not this kind of public, oh, hateful. Um, <laughs> black capital. Business models are built around our culture currency. They develop the platform, implement structure, and bring us to raise value. Now, this was one of my favorite ones. This is one of my favorite ones because we've had a conversation, and the conversation went like this. I've never been to a Spanish restaurant and been told it was too Spanish. I've never been to an Italian restaurant and told it was too Italian. I've never been to a Chinese restaurant and told it was too Chinese. I have been to a black restaurant and heard somebody say it's too black. Look, man, everybody is capitalizing off of our culture but us. Mm. Everybody. Right. It's a lot of horrible, whack, barbecue soul food spots <laughs> that they now have soul food infused stuff where they are. I, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I've never been at my grandma's house where she bought out fried chicken and watermelon. Doesn't mean we didn't eat them in the same day. <laughs> right. But it wasn't served as a meal or a plate. Cultural appropriation is real. A lot of people do not like this man because of his approach, and I understand it. You don't have to like Dame Dash, but Dame Dash puts a lot of truth on his conversation. Mm -hmm. If you really look at it, Dame and Jay are kind of the same. It's just Jay doesn't speak up and he doesn't talk about his thing. He just does it with actions and his moves. So he creates verticals. He creates business models to actually show what he's talking about. Dame is kind of more vocal on it. Mm -hmm. You, you got to do it. If your culture, our culture, that's why Joe Budden has the state of the culture. The hip hop culture is majority of music being sold these days. Yep, it's global. The hip hop culture is making people's fashion. Hip hop culture is dictating food. Hip hop culture, I mean, y'all just think about the little things. 40 ounce drinks. Uh, when, what was the blue drink that came out when they started Alize making? Alizé or something? Yeah, Alizé, uh, Ciroc. Puffy saved Ciroc. Y'all, like, we, we've had this conversation before. Go look up the history of Ciroc. Ciroc was actually supposed to be such a big thing because it's the only vodka made from grapes. grapes. Like, that wasn't even why Ciroc. Ciroc got saved when Puffy came on board. But Puffy is an ambassador. He's a spokesperson. I don't even think he actually owns shares in the company. If, I think it's, if he does, it's minimal. Yeah, he, he's not a majority owner. He's not like Jay. He's not like The Rock. He's not like, uh, what's your... Uh, the two two guys that were bored and came up with their tequila company. The old white man that everybody would want to be if you had to be old and white. Who you talking about, Richard Branson? Nah, nah, nah. I definitely, his teeth are horrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, George Clooney. Oh, yes. I know the tequila you're talking about now. Yeah. Uh, Con Amigos. 
Casamigos. Casa, Casamigos. Casa something like that. Conmigos. It's with friends, pretty much. But I'm saying like... Con amigos. So that would be con amigos. Yeah. But I thought it was Casa or something. I feel like I saw uh, Costa or something recently. Anyway, I know which one you're talking Either about. Either ways, yeah. make value off of your culture. We need to get back to the mindset of Damon and his crew. For us, by us. Right. And... So, so when you're talking about cultural appropriation, we kind of talked about this too, about how Fox, you know, the regular TV station, not the news, how they really kind of became a major player. Yes. They had Martin and Living Color. They had a lot of programming. Didn't they have Living Single? Yeah. And we was like supporting it. We were like, oh yeah. And then it became a major place. And that's the same thing that happened with clubs, right? They'll sit there and have a black night, get some things popping. And then, so we bring energy. We bring the cool factor. But then the cool factor could get thrown away when mm. they no longer want it. But yeah. that's where ownership comes in, right? Because if you own it, it can't be thrown away. And it's Casamigos, you are right. So if you think about that, and if you think about collective economics, you can leverage. You may not have the money of a chameleonaire or anybody like that, but if you do collective economics, you can partner up with people and buy back the block. Everybody chip in a little bit. You have a whole group of people that now have ownership of the neighborhood. We have to start getting creative in how we view capital, have a better relationship with it, because money is nothing but currency, and currency is energy. Mm. Understand. Oh, hold on, hold on. Rewind that Toya dropping <laughs> bars today. Money is currency, and currency is nothing but energy. Mm. So if you change your energy, your energetic understanding and relationship with money, you mm. will have a different relationship with it. And it won't be anything that you feel as if you can't hold it because energy, currency is supposed to flow, right? So you're supposed to give and get, give and get. You save a little bit, but it needs to flow, it needs to move, it needs to rotate. So if you hoard, if you live in scarcity, then you will always be in that space. Man, so again, go get that girl a wrap. She Erica Badu enough in here. She got a hair up, but she need a hair wrap today. <laughs> Light some incense and turn on some music. Toya dropping bars. That was dope. Thank you. We're going gonna to cut that segment up. We're going to promote that. That was. <laughs> but that's again, that's where we have to get back to that understanding of community and doing stuff for each other, for each other. And that speaks back to what Nipsey was doing in his neighborhood. Mm. He was mm -hmm. doing it for the people, and he understood that by providing these services and these business outlets, he's showing as an example for others to be able to follow. So you guys have heard me referencing this, and I literally ran this same thing I'm about to say now at the CRA meeting on breaking the chains, on the supply chain from production to consumption. People take shots at Jay-Z, but he's the first black artist to have a vertically integrated business model where he owns the whole chain. So, and he did not do it overnight. No, it was took a, process. a long time. Now we have rarely ever told people exactly what we do. Right? <laughs> oh, you about to reveal the secret? I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do it. Y'all get to see the wizard behind the curtain. This, this is what we do. All right. So, 14 years ago, we started a company by the name of Digital. I mean, by Medium the name four. of Medium Four. Medium Four was to do marketing and graphic design. Through those 14 years, we took a lot of information in of realizing the weaknesses of other companies and the things other companies may have done wrong because we were designing for them. Through that, we started figuring out things about the tech industry, the food industry, and the media industry. So think of those four. We're talking design, media, food and beverage, and tech. 
Those mm -hmm. are our four mediums. That's where the name medium four comes on. We only focus on four mediums at one time. Once we started focusing on that, we quickly realized the things that were needed. Innovation and technology, getting more people of color into that. So we came up with digital grass, food and beverage. We didn't have colliding places in South Florida and we didn't have places for people of color to go to celebrate and to actually eat quality food. In comes Junction Halls. On the media side, we realized producing content and positive content to push the narrative of these stories were at an all-time low. Here comes Digital Grass and Medium 4 producing and developing content. While doing these things, you're developing businesses and all these businesses still need marketing strategies and design. In comes Medium 4 again. Now we recruit business owners that specialize in marketing. Here comes Toya, we need a lawyer. Here comes Alicia, we need somebody heavier in tech. Here comes Rosie, we need somebody with a PhD in marketing that understands the whole marketing scope that can write more. Here comes David. You then put that team together, you need community outreach. Here comes Sophia. You need somebody that owns economic development. Here comes David. You put all these pieces together, but then you're like, wait, we still need construction. Here comes Charisma with New Jack. You put this whole team together and from the basis of the marketing, developing the businesses, putting the businesses into play, putting the content to promote the businesses, the last thing is we still like the drink. Here comes Timeline <laughs> Brewery. Well, we still gotta eat. Here comes Gastro Soul. We created an environment that could create positive environments to build things, but we wanted to do it from beginning to end. That's what we do. That's what Jay-Z did. He did it in the music industry from beginning to end, from when you sign and start making music to when you're out on tour with Rock Nation to when you're doing your after parties at the 4040 Club. He put all that together. That's how you start building an empire. You have to think about what's your vertical. If you keep going up that food chain, what's next and how do you become a part of it? So, yeah. The second part to the whole breaking the chains, not only being a producer and not just a consumer, is breaking the cycles, right? So when you think about breaking the chains, think about the things that hold you, that bind you. If you continue to operate in that space, then again, you are arresting your development. Mm. You're arresting the development of those around you. Yeah, I thought you. it was just the name of a group. Right, you're not allowing people to see how you can move and how you operate. You're hiding your gifts. So the whole point of sort of being a hustler, being an entrepreneur, is to allow you to break the chains. If you're tired of that nine to five, you gotta break the chain. You have to assert yourself, take ownership and responsibility for your station in life, and if you don't like it, you gotta break the chain and do something different. That's also back to the seven laws. Let's go. Mm. On creating value, as Toya was just trying to get y'all to this part, Nipsey said he released 100 mixtapes and charged $1,000 for each because he understood the economic principle. Is it how you skip this? Scarcity. Scarcity, yes. The profit funded his independent label. We did the same thing, but we did it in different ways. We knew we had to develop a certain amount of websites, even at a cheaper cost but we had to start limiting and then we started adding services. That's when I hit Toya up. I remember the day I called Toya, I was like, Toya, tell me exactly what you do. Cause I, sometimes I'll ask her, but she explained copywriting to me and the value of increasing content and making content more consumer friendly. Once we understood that, me and Dante had to sit down and say, you know, we've been basically giving away copywriting and marketing services for the last six years for free. We didn't even know we was doing it for free. Mm -hmm. 
But when we added those words and we saw the value of what we added, sites went from being seven hundred to twelve hundred dollars to twenty to forty thousand dollar websites. And we started decreasing the clients we would take on and we increased the value of the clients we would take. So we minimized the client intake and we maximized the profit area. Right. But in order to create the value, right, you have to understand the value. So a part of what you were just saying is that once you understood what you were doing, you mm -hmm. were then able to monetize and value it appropriately. And that's also where the idea of not trying to rush through the process, exactly. because the process allows you to see and to understand. So when I talk about like my sort of mm -hmm. trajectory and how I kind of got into what I'm doing, I've worked at ad agencies for years, right? But by me being in that space, I picked up on things and then I was able to then use my profession to fuel what I'm doing now. So you have to see every opportunity, every station where you are is set there to help you to elevate and go to where you need to go. But if you don't have your eyes open, if you're just completely blinded by whatever sort of sentiments you have or where you are, then you're not gonna be able to see how you can create value from the place where you are right now. Plus, I, people just gotta know, that's the, when it comes down to it, that's gonna be the what's next with this crew we would be one of the ultimate ad agencies. I, I want us to be like the next translation, the pentagram, because that's where it comes down to. When you understand the marketing, you can control that narrative. You also start controlling dollars and how you push dollars. You know, we still don't have a lot of black owned advertising agencies and that's big, um, especially yeah. now here in South Florida. But it's, you gotta know your worth and you also don't know your worth by keeping everything to, to yourself. No, you know, you got to talk to other people. Hey, what are you charging? What are you doing? Because while some of y'all are out there thinking, oh, because I'm low ball and I'm getting more work, I can tell you the position we're in. I get this almost every other week. Oh, I found somebody else that'll do it for half the price. Oh, that's great. Right. Let me know how it works do out. That. And can you refer <laughs> them to me? Because if they doing it for half the rate, I could outsource. I'm going to outsource to them let them do the work. Cause if they're doing the same quality of work that I'm doing for cheaper for half the price, I'm going to just go hire them. I mean, I have a, I call him a cousin, but he's not a cousin. I have a young man that's shooting music videos up in Alabama. Mm -hmm. You know how much he's doing those music videos for? Just guess three minutes. I'm talking about editing multi-camera angles. So he's shooting $80. Each scene. close $150. That's an hour worth of work. That's, that's most agencies have a billable rate of one hour for one fifty. First of all, that's not even, he's you got to remember what I'm saying. He's doing the song, multiple right. views, multiple angles. That's on more than an hour worth of work. It's two days worth of work once yeah. you edit it and cut it up. The same quality of work. I pulled up his work and somebody else's work. The same quality of work. I know somebody else shooting the same thing. They shooting with a more expensive camera, but mm -hmm. when you're looking at it on a mobile device, it looks the same. Right. One person's charging $10,000. The other person is charging $150. If you put them side by side, you couldn't tell me which person was which. Right. And going back to the point about sharing and talking about mm. fees. One of the reasons why they kind of um, try to get people to shy away from talking about their salaries at work is because they don't want you to know that the person next to you is possibly making more than you. Spooked by the door. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so they like, yeah, no, it's not good. It's not proper to talk about your salary to keep you in the dark. Understand that communication empowers those who are collectively together. So if you're in an industry and you don't be like, hey, so what's your billable rate? Like, it's okay to ask and see because in that way you can understand where you are in the market. 
I mean, that's we got our if rate. You don't talk about it, you don't know. We got our rate from Andrew. We call Andrew as a mentor and we ask them, what do you charge and how do you charge? Then we went to another agency in downtown Fort Lauderdale and we was like, well, Andrew been losing out because we were doing a project for $2,000. $3,000 was a project we was doing. We found out this agency was charging $7,000 for the exact same product and it was a one camera photo shoot. $7,000. Yeah. Got to talk about it. Got to talk about it. And I remember when I was first at- I just talk about it. Say no to increase your value. Oh, that's, no, no, no. I'm saying uh, talk about it amongst your peers. But I'm just saying some people need to understand that was the difference between him only having 100 mixtapes and selling them for 1000 a piece. You got to know when to say no. Don't take on every project. Say, no, of course not. Because I'll tell you, some people we hear it around town, oh, they do good work, but they expensive. Oh, they do good work, but they just be hard sometimes. So? <laughs> right. The point is, That's you're starting you off with we companies. good, we do good work. Right. You do good work, you pay for what you get. But I'm not just somebody working out of their house with a full-time job. I eat what I kill. Understand your value. Because sometimes you're better off saying no to a project Absolutely. that's only worth a couple hundred dollars and using that time to create a new marketing video, create your own content. Sometimes in your downtime, just create for yourself because it'll draw people in a different way. Absolutely. I, we accidentally fell into the film industry. We accidentally, it went from a conversation to shooting a documentary in Africa. Yeah. I can't tell you the number of people who decided to sort of start their own agency was like, hey, Toya, so how does billing work? How does scopes of work, scopes of work work? How do you bill? How do you charge? And again, if you don't understand, you need to get the training. You need to talk. You need to mingle you need to get the information see don't nobody know this it's up one person that's watching two people that's watching so I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and give one more exclusive our accidental filming and getting into film by the way the director or toy you don't even know what i'm about to say has led us to being a conglomerate and being a partner to start creating positive content through south box with the smith family Exclusive. Woo woo. Google, we told y'all to mess with us, bro. <laughs> that's Will. That's all right, but that's the point, that's, right? That's Will and Jada. If you get a no, you can't stop with the no. You just got to keep going. Look, man. That's the whole journey. Y'all missing it. That's Make the moves. Make moves. Don't wait. On owning real estate, this is number seven. Nipsey said he won Black the Block where he used to hustle from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. I hustled. Then I rent it. Now me and David Gross will own Crenshaw. If you're in South, because we, we're speaking to our audience. This is kind of local news, but national news. I don't know what they call them in different areas, but let me just tell you locally. Locally, there's these things. I'm just going to give you all the game. It's called CRAs, Community Redevelopment Agencies. Mm-hmm. Opportunities. CDCs, CDCs yeah. Uh, EDCs, Economic Development Council. Opportunity zones. Yep. Bring value to blighted communities and build something positive in those communities. There's tax dollars for it. Mm-hmm. Quit complaining that you see all these construction companies and they're not hiring your people and they're not bringing what you want. Show up. And don't just show up. Show up with a plan and show up with a plan that can actually grow businesses and develop money. Yeah. 
quit showing up and just complaining about the things you don't see happening. Find out a way to make them happen. We wanted better food. I called three chefs and said, hey, if I get you a commercial kitchen, will you start making food and will you open up a catering company? Sure, you got access to a commercial kitchen. It's a lot of commercial kitchens that are underutilized and some of them are owned by cities. There's these amazing things called public-private partnerships where you own it privately and you share the resources and you share the money that you make with the city and they put it back into it. You know how to use taxes? So if you wanna help make sure your police department is funded properly, you wanna make sure the streets are taken care of, help your city make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a good point about this, and this is something that rings very true for me on a personal level and on a family level is because of the work that my great-grandfather did, right? Right. So for those who may not know, I'm going to just do a real quick brief history, but his name was E.W. Franklin Stirrup, and he was from the Bahamas, and he came over in the late 1800s, and what he did was he would work, and instead of requesting to get paid in money, he would get land. And then at nighttime, him and my great-grandmother Charlotte Jane, they would build houses. And then those houses, they would then rent to people or even sell to people who were coming from the Bahamas or the Carolinas or whatever coming down to South Florida before Miami was even incorporated and providing them with housing solutions. That's the part of West Coconut Grove, right? So that's sort of creating community and space and seeing value and providing opportunities for those who look like you, who speak like you, who need opportunities and a leg up. The last part of what you just read about Nipsey, he said, I hustled, I rented, now I will own in Crenshaw. You have to have trajectory, you have to have foresight, you have to understand that everything is not about instant gratification. It doesn't happen overnight. And especially when we're talking about like my great grandfather, right? So he did other things. He did real estate, he had a horse and buggy business, he had a corner store that he owned with the Burdines brothers. Burdines was one of the major like department stores in South Florida before it was bought by Macy's. So there's a lot that kind of mm. happens with that. Mm. But because and then he Toy, survived the Great Depression, today. right? So, but if you don't have the foresight to understand that entrepreneurship is not about the right now, you kind of got to go through the right now to get to where you want it to be, and you may not necessarily be able to live it up in your early 20s and 30s is fabulous if you can, but understand that what you're doing is also about legacy building. Because of what my grandfather did in the 1800s, we are still able to be in that space. We are still able to have real estate in the Grove to be able to provide housing, affordable housing. That is still there for us to do as a family. And now we could build upon that to do other great things. I can tell you that my particular generation of the family, we have fabulous ideas that we want to do when it comes to entrepreneurship and real estate development, et cetera, et cetera. So there are things that can happen. And it's about generational wealth, legacy building, and not just being about the hit right here, right now. I know that one of the things that a lot of black men talk about, especially, is that black men were not supposed to live past the age of 21. So if you go into life thinking that or being told that by your teachers about the, from those who are around you, you feel like you have to spend, spend, spend right now. We have to move beyond the perception of what others have about us. We cannot live within those constraints. We cannot be arrested based on what they feel they think about us. Look, and because y'all got them bars from a positive, that's the Nipsey Seven Law. So rest in peace, Nipsey. Uh, I hope I hope everybody doesn't just download and listen to his music. Yeah, no. Also do that. I mean. Absolutely. Go and to buy your, some merchandise. Yeah, go to your account and just 
if you if you got unlimited internet, just put on Spotify, hit play, turn the volume down if you got to do something else. The streams count anyways. Get get that man and his family some money. Or use some t-shirts. Yeah, go order Marathon. some t-shirts. Get get whatever and do what you. Maybe we should do that. We should order t-shirts and wear t-shirts. Yeah, we t-shirts. got some coming. We're gonna Kevin order some. Mm-hmm. So that's one. But with that saying, since Toya hit y'all with these bars, I want to give a shout out to Chicago. Um, not just because they elected their first African American female mayor, which was amazing, but what I really want to do is give a shout out to. Chicago putting in law a seat at the table. The I mean, the state of Illinois, excuse yeah. me. Illinois House of Representatives have voted in favor for a bill requiring all publicly held companies whose headquarters are in the state to have a minimum of one woman and one African-American on the corporate board. Look, as, as uh, what's Nancy did? <laughs> right, the baby shark clap. <laughs> I don't care what y'all say. That was just absolutely stunning, absolutely amazing. And I am so happy for black women. I am so happy that the state of Illinois put this in place. I am just applauding black women. I think that is an amazing thing. Look, make it happen. That that makes me want to buy a apartment in Chicago for the summers. Cause I can't deal with y'all <laughs> right. cold weather. To be a part of the movement. <laughs> I can't deal with y'all cold weather. Um by the way, if they don't do this, they can face fines up to $300,000. The Secretary of State would be required to keep an online record of the corporation showing that they are in compliance with the law or not. California has done the same thing, but they've done it without the requirement of minorities. And um, one representative has some negative to say, but I'm not going to give him airtime. All yeah, I'm nope. saying is that's <laughs> amazing. You know, make that happen and make that happen more consistently. But I would say with this, with making that happen, I think they should have the same requirements for investments. If you're able to get a fund and get it, you should have the minimum of one majority black-owned company mm-hmm. and one majority female-owned company mm-hmm. in your portfolio. Yeah, for VC firms. For all VC firms. And angel. Should be a investors. minimum requirement that you have to have that. And if you're not in compliance, you have to donate that amount to an organization that will make that investment for you. I think that's a great suggestion. You should write a letter to somebody about that. I don't know who I would write. (laughs) Right. Figure that out. You need to send a letter. But with that being said, uh, National Bar Association commercial law section into the commercial law section that was trying to implement diversity and inclusion for commercial law. These are the kind of metrics I'm talking about. If your large corporations don't show that improvement for their diversity and inclusion, charge them. Charge them and put a fee and take the money that you take from them to make those investments into those other law firms so that they can hire more and they can train more and they can give more scholarships. Don't just come up with these random elements and random sands for diversity inclusions and you have diversity inclusion and you have no metrics to implement the standard of diversity and inclusion. This is a metric. This is a metric that can be followed and they have to report simply online. Mm-hmm. We presented a platform to y'all before. Stephanie Lampkin has a platform that you guys can use for diversity and inclusion. Felicia Hatcher can come speak to y'all about how to do diversity and inclusion. You don't have to like me, like the black women that's gonna implement it for you. Just make it happen. Quit telling us you wanna help black people when people are giving you solutions to actually help them. Cause it's not genuine. 
They not about that life. Y'all don't want it. Not it's like brown life. sugar. Y'all still want Coors Light. <laughs> so real quick in these streets, and this is not to laugh because let's let's bring it back down real quick. <laughs> so Sorry. so no for the in these streets. Um, I was listening to Clay Kane the other day, and he was talking about the article that he wrote on CNN.com and his reaction to how Nipsey Hussle's passing and his death was being used to sort of talk and continue the rhetoric about black on black violence. And his point of view is that until there's a such thing as white on white violence and Italian on Italian violence, let's stop talking about black on black violence. And I could not agree more because as we talk about on this show all the time, it's about controlling the narrative and redirecting the story because black on black violence by having a name and something that you can coin it as it makes it easy to digest and for other people to see and call out what's happening within our community and continue to perpetuate it on the screen. So that's all you see. But understand that murders, homicides are usually done by people who you know. And most of the time, those people look just like you. So in the white community, most white people are killed by white people. Black on black violence is not unique to us. There is nothing wrong with us. You have positive and negative people in every community. We have to stop buying into this narrative and really take control of how we see ourselves, which is what Jordan Peele is doing. We have to be creators. We have to tell our own stories. We have tons of superheroes that we can call out. We have tons of heroes, period. If you're talking about Toussaint L'Ouverture, if you're talking about Bookman, Queen and Zynga, you can go back and back and back. You don't even have to go to Egypt. You could just do it right here in the Caribbean. But there are tons of stories that we can use to perpetuate our own version of who we are and not continue the rhetoric of what the media wants to say and who we are. Because of the way in which we are talked about in the media, it allows other communities to see us as disposable. Understand that that's how genocide happens. Understand that that's how things are able to happen to communities because Bars. of the way in which they are talked about. So if we don't see this as a serious issue, we will continue to be a victim of what circumstance, of what is happening around us. We have got to wake up and be for real woke, not that play play social media woke, but for real woke and understanding what's going on. So I am saying we need to bury this whole black on black violence conversation just like people trying to kill the N-word. So with that being said, uh, Anderson Cooper, since you like to keep them honest, Don Lemon, Chris, CNN in general, my, my only statement to y'all, if you weren't going to highlight the powerful impact of Nipsey Hussle, don't take the time to right. run the negative stuff at his memorial. Won't y'all diversify y'all news? Y'all giving Trump way too much attention. Listen. We know he's an idiot. We get it. We know he don't want to do no good. We get it. But y'all still have a national platform. Talk about the good stuff that's going on. I actually do not like watch CNN no more. I'd rather watch MSNBC and at least listen to Ari give me the throwback Fridays where he brings on some hip hop artists and they actually talk about something with impact. Y'all becoming just like everybody else. Start covering some of the positive stuff. We out here making moves. Just letting you know. Black people are on the move. Yeah. And real quick, because what you said about Trump, go ahead, right? Go ahead. No, I just wanted to chime in about that. This is a special edition. We, we, on the week. <laughs> we need, got some stuff to get off our yes. chest today. Yeah, it's a lot going on. But when you talk about CNN and the coverage of and the constant coverage of Trump, understand that that works against what you claim that you want. I don't know what y'all trying to accomplish. <laughs> like, it don't it, work, bro. It doesn't work. It's not working. That's how we lost. 
Y'all gave Trump <laughs> so much so airplay. much airtime. It's not working. Maybe we need to put up a stop viewing CNN so y'all can understand. Change the content. Yeah. Y'all gave him so much coverage last so year. So much. Fox people didn't even have to watch Fox to hear about Trump. Y'all didn't even cover Hillary. Y'all gave y'all gave Trump everything for free. For free. The man hustled y'all. You want to know a hustle? You know when they talk about pimping when you just take everything from somebody and you don't give absolutely nothing back, you don't do nothing? Trump pimped y'all whether y'all see it or not. Y'all were covering him 24 hours a day doing that whole thing. He ran game on y'all. Right. He literally used, <laughs> he was the epitome of the understanding of that any pre all press is good press. It Bottom did not line. matter what y'all said about him. It did not matter. It did matter because the more negative y'all said about him, right. the more amped up his base got. That, that's what I mean when I said it did not matter. It did not matter for your end goal because it did not work. Y'all literally work. amplified his base. Work. And it's happening again. Stupid. <laughs> Quit talking about the man. It's happening still. And Wolf Blitzer, just change your tone. Get some excitement. Oh, monotone act. Uh, <laughs> but look, in, in closing, Ultra Music Festival, don't become the Fire Festival. We just don't want. I mean, uh, y'all went? <laughs> first of all, hell no. Nah. <laughs> Festival of Choice. I ain't never been. To the day we die, a little bit of liquor and jazz Ultra. in the gardens. That's me and the homie thing. That's what me and Dante do. You take your old lady out, that's what you enjoy. I've never been a fan of house music like that. Chopped up hip hop music. Now house music, can people stop saying uh, Sorry, <laughs> EDM. I'm sorry. Just want y'all to know with these new microphones that y'all <laughs> That's Dante, AKA Devante. Devante, Devante Pendergrass in the background. That is, actually James Bean was on earlier. Our homeboy, our, our frat brother. But um, look man, nah we ain't go. But I'm just saying. Just get it off Virginia Key. Actually, just shut the whole thing down. <laughs> <laughs> Take it somewhere else. Just move it. Move <laughs> it to somewhere else and let them deal with them problems. Because all y'all want to do is highlight the atrocities that happened during spring break, which was like four or five little incidents. Y'all never want to talk about the overdoses and all the stuff so that happened at Ultra Music Festival. But again, that goes back to the narrative and the story. Please, y'all see that. Y'all hide the deaths on South Beach when it's white people, but y'all expose. I mean, that fight was everywhere. And a young lady that got knocked out, it was an atrocity that people recorded you. But look, there's a rule from the South that we say, once you put your hands on a man, you will be treated as a man. Don't hit a man. Just don't do it. It's a bad thing. People have horrible reflexes. Just if you don't want somebody to hit you, don't hit them. Shouldn't be fighting out there in them streets anyway. Right, that part. And oh, in closing, since we already over on time. <laughs> right, in closing again. <laughs> don't bring back Freak Neat. Let it go. <laughs> Just a lot of here, Freak Neat. I don't know how Freak Neat becomes what? a family environment. Just. Who said that? Look. <laughs> They, lot of hell y'all trying to have a lot of hell supposed to be trying to have a freak name. They better stop it. Look, I understand that that worked in Atlanta because of college campuses. Like it was college students. What y'all doing in lot of hell? Like stop. <laughs> what? Freak Nick was out. what it was in the '90s because yes. only seven black people could afford camcorders. <laughs> After that, that boy, part. <laughs> now that everybody has a phone. Freak Neat would never nobody be nobody doing Just call that. it an old school jam if that's what y'all gonna it's do. It's a block party. Just, yeah, call, <laughs> just don't, don't even use the word freak in it. 
out because ain't no freaking happening. Stop. When seven black people could afford camcorders and three of the tapes got destroyed because you was drunk, that means there was four <laughs> tapes out there. You had to be there to know it. If you ain't, if you aren't there, you ain't know. But due to the fact that everybody got a cell phone before they get a car insurance or anything else, it's never gonna be the same. Right. Mamas and they thongs gonna be all over social media. Y'all don't want that. Don't expose people like that. Y'all don't want that. Just let it go. <laughs> Just let it go. <laughs> it's crazy. All right. <laughs> That's Mike. That's Toya. And, and this, this is Tech Beats and Bites. That was a good show. <laughs> <laughs>